Hey, I'm Kevin, the student pastor at Shore Church again. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To find out more about us or what's going on at the church, head on over to scog.com or download the app. Hope you enjoy the message. All right, as we continue this series, Not Today, Satan, we have to step into this idea, this idea of victory. To make the bold statement, Not Today, Satan, takes a little gumption, right? It takes a little certainty in your beliefs. It takes a little certainty in what you're, you're going after in this moment. And the boldness of that statement is kind of what I want to impart into you this morning is, Not Today, Satan. I serve a power that's way bigger than Satan. Is Satan a reality? I believe so. But so is God. As the creator of the universe and as the lover of my soul, as a person who cares deeply for me, who has redeemed me from my past and has set a future for me. So as we go through these motions of everyday life, as weird as it may be, as it the cabin fever kind of closes in on us. We need to plant that flag to stand firm and say, not today, Satan. I'm not going to be defeated by the darkness that surrounds me. In fact, I'm going to be a light bringer in this moment. And so that's where we're going today. And I want to invite you to turn in Matthew chapter five today. Uh, We're going through the Sermon on the Mount. It's the most impactful, important teaching that has ever been taught in the history of mankind. And so we find it in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It is the Sermon on the Mount. What is that? What does it look like? What does it do? Okay, those are great questions. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' stump speech. It's what he gives every time he starts to teach. Portions of this or all of it in its entirety, we don't really know, but probably this is how he goes along. This is how he imparts, um, how he wants to change the way people are viewing the Scripture, change the way people are interacting with God, how they deal with morality, how they deal with all the tough things of life. And so as we delve into the Sermon on the Mount, there's going to be a lot for us to take from it. We need to remember the the context in which the Sermon on the Mount is given. It's given to the everyman, not the important, not the senators, not the the, uh, kings of the day, not the rich, not the powerful, not the movers, not the shakers. It's given to the everyman, the, the common folk, the people who are struggling and looking at their mortgage payment and going, how am I going to make that? The people that are looking at their jobs and going, I don't know if I'm going to have my job tomorrow. Sound familiar? The people who are looking at their kids and going, I don't know how I'm going to raise these crazy little spawns that I have running around. Sound familiar? Right? That's where we're at, and that's who Jesus is speaking to. And so... As we read the Sermon on the Mount, I don't know about you, but sometimes I read the scripture and I'm like, well, that's to those people at that time, and I don't really know what I'm going to get out of it. Folks, as we dive into the Sermon on the Mount, it's written to you, and even really into this moment in this time when we struggle with the darkness that surrounds us, when we struggle with the frustration, when we struggle with the uncertainty. And so that's what Matthew chapter 5 is written uh, to, and so we're going to delve into that today. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
Jesus sees the everyman, the people struggling with life, and he speaks directly into them. You are the light of the world. Now, I want you to hear that this morning, wherever you're at, because I know you're struggling, and I know as soon as you heard that, you thought, it doesn't apply to me, it can't be for me, I'm not that important, or some variation of that. You have some sort of filter, some sort of something going on in your spirit right now that you said, ah, that was to them, that Jesus talking, I don't know, I'm not going to receive that. I want to speak that again, and I want you to actually take away that veil, take away those, those sunglasses, if you will, take away that, the shades and hear it for your heart. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. That's a responsibility. It's a promise. It's a statement that speaks life into us. When we feel defeated, when we feel frustrated, when we feel like things are out of control, isn't it beautiful to know that Jesus Christ himself speaks into our lives? You, you have what it takes. You are the light of the world. Light is important. Uh, this week we were doing some yard work, and... Uh, I noticed something about yard work this, this week. I, I don't really enjoy yard work at all. Uh, but I noticed something that's actually making yard work a little bit more excitable. One, you get to be outside. Oh, big thing. Two, yard work is a lot uh, more enjoyable when you don't have to get a month's worth of work done in two hours. Right? I don't know about your family, but my family revolves around sports in the spring. And so that... Uh, with those being gone, there's ample time to make sure things are trimmed right and that uh, fertilizer is put down and all the different things that you say, oh, when I have time, I actually have time for that in this moment. And so I find myself trying to rush through the to-do list that I always do every year. And then I had this realization, I can slow down. I can take a moment to teach Bowen how to do this. I can slow down. I don't have to do it all in one day. I can slow down. I can do part of that tomorrow. I can do this job a little bit better because I'm not trying to ram it all in in this constrained time and that 45 minutes I had between practice and a game and blah, 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 blah. I have the time for it. That's a beautiful blessing. Some of us need to give permissions to, to slow down in this moment. We still have this idea and this feeling of, I still got to go a million miles an hour. We don't because tomorrow's going to be the same as today. <laughs> Remember in October when you were dying for the world to slow down? Remember in January, we were like, oh, if I just had an extra hour, life would be so much better. Well, you have it now. Are you wasting it? Are you leveraging it? Are you using it? Some of us need permission. I feel like it just we need permission to say, hey, I can take this slower. We gave ourselves permission. We gave ourselves a vacation on Tuesday night. On Tuesday night, grabbed a frozen pizza, threw it in the oven, and we grabbed the paper plates, and we ate on paper plates. The only dishes we had the whole night were the five glasses sitting on our table. It was absolutely fantastic. Some of you are eating at home for the first time in a long time. 
And this whole three meals at eating home every day is, it's crazy. You're like, what? Where do these dishes come from? I want to be on a one dish, one spoon, one fork policy. Like we only have five sets of each and that's all we need in our house. That's, that's my goal to, to finish the problem. I'm not winning this argument, but uh, it's, it's my dream, okay? But we need to give ourselves permission just to use paper plates one night. Try it this week. Give yourself permission to say, you know what? We're just going to have pizza. It's okay. You know what? We're going to eat on paper plates. It's okay. We're going to enjoy the family instead of, we always have to fill that, that time with artificial busyness and let's just chill. Because in that moment when we can relax, we can actually be the people that we're called to be. We can be the light of the world to our kids and to our neighbors. Because when we're always so busy and we're always filling that void of, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go, go, we can't be the people that we're called to be. What was the most enjoyable thing that you did this week? It probably wasn't the moment that you were busiest. What was the most enjoyable thing that you did this week? For me, it was an uh, online game night. Party chat wasn't doing very well, but it still was fun just to hear everybody's voice, to laugh at each other, and it's always a pleasure to beat Joy Naskrin at a game. If you know Joy, you know how much she's mad at me right now, and it's fantastic. I can feel the hate coming now. Um, it's game night, just enjoying each other. We weren't in the same proximity, we weren't in the same room, but hey, let's play some stupid games, and had a great time doing it. What's the most enjoyable thing you did this week? Was it doing something with your kids or maybe reading a book or, or um, maybe actually going to a work meeting and, and, and seeing people's face and, and completing a task and it felt like you did something with your time this week? I don't know what it is for you. What's the most enjoyable thing? Put that in the comments to see what that looks like for you. It'd be fun to see what everybody else was exploring this week. We are the light of the world. And with that comes this this responsibility to do something with it. When Jesus says, you are the light of the world, I know you don't think you are, I know you don't think you have what it takes, but I'm looking at you right now, me, Jesus, and saying, you are the light of the world. What What do we do with that? What does that mean? There's the important questions that we need to ask ourselves as we go forward in this. Going back to this, Bowen got this splinter in his hand because when we were when we were going through the yard work he decided to grab some of the uh, the sticks and throw them like spears because that's what you do when you give a 10-year-old boy a 6-foot long piece of wood it becomes a spear now moms I don't know if you know that or not but know it now you are arming your child dads if you want to you know play 300 and, and this is Sparta, uh, with your kid, go do some yard work and have some fun. Just don't poke each other in the eyes. So anyway, Bowen gets this spear, and he's chucking it across the yard, seeing how far he can do that, and got a nice splinter out of it. He learned a couple things about that, right? Things he wouldn't have learned playing a video game, things he wouldn't have learned in his room, things he wouldn't have learned on YouTube. He learned, hey, don't do that. That hurts. All right? But the light uh, issue it has to do with is why I'm talking about the splinters, and why I'm talking about spears, is because when we get a splinter in our hand, we we're wandering all around the house trying to figure out where is enough light to see the pain point. Where's enough light to see this damage that's been done? Where is enough light to look and see how I need to remove the unhealthy from the healthy? 
Because if you've been with a splinter, you know you can't, it's kind of hard sometimes to tell, is that blood? Is that wood? What is this? What am I dealing with? Is he just faking? Is it a scratch? What, what is it? If you have kids, you, you know these things. And not until you have a, apply light to the situation can you remove the unhealthy from the healthy. Once that's done, now we can show uh, health and we can bring stuff back and we can put the Band-Aid and move the Neosporin and make everything okay again. As Christians, this is kind of our responsibility is that our light shines so we can remove the unhealthy from the healthy and we can be restored back to health. This is what we get to do and how we get to live our lives. In that responsibility comes a little, it gets a little tricky. And I was thinking about how we show light and how it's so easy to blind people with light. If you've ever been camping with anybody who's had a headlamp, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you have a headlamp, I don't know if this is going to translate to online or not, but we've got a headlamp. I think this even gets brighter. Yeah, this gets brighter. Um, it gets really crazy. And you're walking on the path, and you've got some night vision going on, and you're stepping over the, the stones, and, the, and you're stepping over the sticks, and you're doing okay, you're doing okay, you're doing okay. And then somebody comes along and says, hey, Jared, and you look up and, oh! And now you can't see where you're going at all. You, can't, you have no idea what's going on because you've been blinded by a light. As Christians, sometimes we are so confident in who we are or what the things that we have to say that we don't care what we're doing. We're just flinging our light everywhere and we're blinding everybody. This headlamp is really cool um, because you can, it has different settings on, on light, which is one thing, but it also articulates. I don't know if that translates onto the video. But it articulates. So what that means is I can walk straight down and the light goes to my feet. Instead of in people's eyes, instead of blinding everyone, it's helpful. It's illuminating the path. I don't need light in people's eyes. I need it at their feet so they can see where they're walking, so they can see where they're going. And the way in which we conduct ourselves, the way in which we live our lives, the way in which we we speak, even online or in person, the way in which we have phone calls, the way in which we have Zoom meetings, all this stuff, we either get to choose, is my light going to be blinding in people's eyes or is it going to illuminate their path? When Jesus calls us the light of the world, I feel like we need to be lighting paths over and over and over again. How do we light paths for people? Everyone's on a different journey. Everyone's path looks a little bit different. Everyone's got different obstacles in their road, but no one needs to be blinded. Everyone needs their path illuminated. And so we need to be conscious of that. When we have this divine calling, this amazing statement that Jesus puts on our life, you are the light of the world. And what we turn around to do with that is we blind everybody around us. I don't think that's what he had in mind. We are the light of the world, which we are called to light the paths around us. As you look at the scripture in Matthew chapter 5, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Well, think about this. The towns at that time, there was no electricity, right? There's no flashlight. There's no headlamps. There's no uh, LED lamps that you can carry with you as you go walking down the paths. And so it had been pretty scary if you would get caught out on the road at nighttime. You don't have a flashlight to take you. What you would have is a, a town that's on a hill, and they would have their lamps, and people are settling down for dinner, and so the campfires are going on, and dinner uh, fires are going on, and I can see the town. I can see where I'm going, and I'm going to continue to work 
towards that. Because out here it's kind of scary. I can't see if there's bandits out here. I can't see if there's a wolf out here. I can't see if there's a lion out here. I can't see any of these things. But I know where I'm going because the light is calling me home. When Jesus puts this in perspective, you are the light of the world. You get to be a town on a hill to say, hey, this is home. Come here. Come home to this. This is a divine calling for all of us. As we orchestrate our lives, as we figure out what it looks like, as we deal with the darkness that surrounds us in this moment and this time, and the unsettledness of all of it, as we deal with the cancellations, as we deal with the blows to our, you know, it's every once in a while we can just have to have permission to like mourn the things that we've lost. Some of us, have, some people have lost loved ones because of the coronavirus. It's terrible. Some of us have just lost mobility. Some of us have lost jobs. Some of us have lost sports seasons. Some of us, if you're a senior right now, you lost you know, prom, and you lost graduation, and you lost all these big hallmark things of life. It's okay to mourn those. But the problem in that is when you get so pigeonholed into mourning these things, that you fall into the darkness and you get lost in where you're walking. It's our responsibility as Christians to say, yeah, that's, that stinks. That's hard. That hurts. But then we continue to light the path as people walk home. We continue to be a city on a hill saying, hey, this is the safety. This is where you belong. This is where you're wanted. Remember who Jesus is talking to. He's speaking to the everyman, average people, not the rich, not the famous, Every single, he's just, he's talking to the, every man. He's talking to you and me. He's not talking to people who are crazy, uh, influential and powerful and can feel like they're on top of the world. He's talking to the regular Joe. And so in that moment, he does a few things. He wants a few things out of that. He wants a few things out of the statement. The first thing is he wants to elevate you. Jesus wants to elevate you. He says, you are the light of the world. You are. And so when he elevates you, he says, whoa, 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 what are you going to do now? What's my responsibility? When he gives me a statement, he says, what's your responsibility? Now, wherever environment you find yourself in, I have to be a light. This is who I get to be. Not just who I have to be, but who I get to be. Jesus himself has said, you are the light of the world. Who do you want to be in this? And so as we, we need to put that on our shoulders to say, ah, I'm not hidden. I'm not put away. Even in this moment of isolation, I still have the opportunity to be the light of the world. You have an opportunity to be light of the world on Facebook, on YouTube, in your Zoom meetings, in your conversations, in your cul-de-sac, wherever you may be. It's fun to have conversations with our neighbors. You know, we're yelling at each other across the court. How are you doing? I'm fine. A little stir crazy. I know. Sharing these moments going forward. Yesterday, uh, one of our neighbors, a uh, little boy, he was turning five. And so his birthday party, of course, got canceled. And so we were doing drive-by uh, birthday uh, greetings. And so people are honking. And it's raining, but our whole family goes out with little kazoos and yelling happy birthday across the street to the little guy. It's, it, you know, it's fun. It's, it's, it's different. Hopefully it made his day. 
Those things aren't taken away from us. We get, still get to be generous people. We still get to be loving people. We still get to be caring people. Jesus says, hey, you get to be the light of the world. Don't be defeated by this present darkness. Jesus wants your light to provide hope. Jesus wants your light to provide hope. As a city set on a hill, we need to be something that people can be called home to. Wherever that may be, whatever that may look like, Jesus wants your light to provide hope. If you're, the way in which you're conducting yourself online or in conversations isn't filling people with hope, you need to change your attitude. You need to change the way in which you're approaching these conversations. Because who you're called to be is someone who glorifies God, who brings hope into this moment. Jesus wants your light to glorify God. What does light do? It provides clarity, right? If I have the headlamp on, it illuminates my path. I get to see where I'm going. It provides safety. I get to see where the rocks are. I get to see where the branches are laid down. I get to see what could trip me. A light provides clarity. It provides safety, and it provides reassurance. Lucy's three, year old, three years old, right? She's in prime nightlight time. Is anything changing in her room with the lights on or lights off? Absolutely not. But she wants a nightlight on. She needs the reassurance, not because it's going to keep her awake at night or maybe she wants to see her toys a little bit longer and play a little bit more, but she, she needs that nightlight so she has the reassurance of safety. Folks, as a church, as a body of believers, not as a building, but as a body of believers, we get to be a nightlight to say, hey, we're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. We're all in this together. We get to bring clarity and reassurance and safety in this. We need to provide clarity to things, to truth, to arguments. I want to understand how we're conducting ourselves on, on Facebook and how we interact with each other, that we've got to be purveyors of truth, not clickbait, not random weird stuff. There's things that go all over the place. You, this whole virus thing, now that it's starting to hopefully wind down a little bit, it's getting really politicized, right? And so you get these two huge extremes in it, and you go, something's got to be in the middle. I find myself on, on Facebook going, well, the CDC said this. I feel like that's a pretty you know, accurate place to go for information. As Christians, we have to not be fanners of the flame of this hysteria to say this is what the reality is. This is what the truth is. And a great way of doing that is just asking questions. When you make a statement, someone can just discount you and say, oh, that's what they think, whatever. But when we ask good questions, you have to wrestle with it. Why do you think that? Asking qualifying questions just over and over again. Well, I don't know. What does it mean if this happens? And What would it mean if that happened? We ask questions, we stretch people's brains. We start lighting their path. That's what Jesus does. He asks questions all the time. People come in and want a definitive statement on something, and he responds with a question. And if that's his way of teaching people and of leading people, it's probably a good practice for us to engage in as well. We are the light of the world. We get to glorify God in how we live our lives, how we inter interact with people. 
And this week, as we live our lives, as we delve into what it's all about, that we need to be showing people the light of God. Whether that is through, uh, we got to do that this week by, by blessing one of the nursing homes here in town. We took a bunch of stuff over to them to just bless the, the workers there that are, are trying so hard to save lives and to minister to the least of these. How do we, that's how we do it practically. But we do that all the time, even in our own homes, in our own cul-de-sacs, that our mindset has to change. If I'm going to be the light of the world, if I'm going to be who God has called me to be, what does that mean for me and my neighboring? What does that mean for me and my family? That this needs to be the forefront of our thought. Because this is an opportunity, folks. This is a moment. There's going to be, when we write some histories, at least in the next few years, there's going to be pre-corona and post-corona. Things are going to change. And we can't miss this opportunity to say, you know what? Even in this moment when I was threatened to be defeated, when I was threatened to be overwhelmed, I pushed through. I grabbed a hold of God. And I became a light unto the world. I got to show people who Jesus was in my everyday, on my online presence, in the way in which I conducted myself. We are invited to that. We're called to that this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Lord, I ask you to be with us and guide us. God, as we take on this mission of being the light of the world, maybe we've never even thought of it that way before. We always went somewhere else to get our light. But that you have called us, you have empowered us. You equip us to be the light of the world. God, I'm humbled by that. I'm honored by that. A little scared by that. But I thank you for this responsibility. I thank you for this moment. And Lord, I I ask you to take my words, take my actions, that wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm teaching my kids or how I'm caring for my wife, how I'm interacting with the people at work, that you would be in it and that I would be your light, that I wouldn't be blinding, that I would be illuminating. That I would continually be showing people a path to you, to your love, to your grace, to your mercy, to your forgiveness, and to your eternal life. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe. And don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.